Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. Baseball season is right around the corner, so let's talk about what I expect to happen in the upcoming year. And to do that, we got to talk about the rule changes. Because for those of you who have not been following baseball, and to be perfectly honest, baseball hasn't really given you much (laughs) to want to follow uh, if we're being at all honest with ourselves. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, baseball has tried to do a number of rule changes to get casual fans interested in the game again. And among them is the pitch clock. So for those of you uh, who do not know, uh, moving forward, MLB has implemented a pitch clock wherein the starting pitcher has to deliver a ball to the plate within 15 seconds Otherwise, they are automatically charged with a ball uh, on the mound. Now, if there's a runner on base, they have, to t- they have 20 seconds uh, to deliver the ball to the plate. Obviously, this is a change for certain guys who like to get into a set routine and stare down hitters. All that's gone. So, the Nolan Ryan approach, you've got to... And even then, Nolan was a fast worker. Like... I know sometimes Nolan would stare dudes down and Bob Gibson would stare dudes down, but those guys actually worked fast. I'm actually in favor of this. I know people were complaining about the pitch clock, but truth be told, the pitch clock definitely needed to be implemented years ago because we were getting way too long in terms of uh, uh, played out at bats because truth be told, Batters were abusing this, too, where they were taking forever in a day to get ready in the box. They're not going to get the same privileges that they used to have in the box and, and, and doing the whole human rain delay technique of having every pitch take about a minute 30 to get done. So, all told, like if you're someone who's been watching baseball for decades upon decades like me, you know, it's a case where... Baseball games in general for guys, and I know this is a difficult thing to grasp. We used to get baseball games well under two and a half hours. It's not that crazy for baseball games to be that length. It's only because of the 90s and bullpen changes and just the all the other minutia that got thrown in there, that crap, that we started getting into these long, overblown games. And, you know, I I think it's just from the standpoint of, uh, I think, by and large, we have placed ourselves into an awkward position of having these games drag well and beyond where they needed to be. And cracking the whip, if you will, on the clock and having more constrained measures... While draconian, in a sense, I think it's needed because we were get we were spiraling into the realm of five hour baseball games when there's absolutely no need. Like realistically, if it was cricket, it would make sense because the way cricket's structured, okay, it's a drawn out affair. But even then, there's a pace to it. There was no pace happening with baseball games. It was just being dragged out for the sake of being dragged out, and it needed to change. So that that's where we ended up with the pitch clock. Now, the bigger part that I don't think people are paying attention to, that pe- people have ignored, is not only is the pitch clock in effect, you can't hold base runners the way you used to anymore. And that's going to change baseball games. Because MLB 
has limited the amount of throws over to a base runner to two. And this is not getting talked about enough. You can't hold base runners the way you used to, where you just look them over, look them over. If you are, you have to commit to throwing to the base runner, and if you do it more than twice, it's considered a balk. So you're going to see more base runners be more adventurous on the base paths, and this should lead to more action around the game because the game was getting way too stagnant with just hit and watch the home run ball go by. Because you've got guys that are just slugging, and yes, the elimination of the shift is going to improve some offense of teams that just want to slug. But it's the base running changes that I see being the most impactful change. Yes, the pitch clock is a change. But that's not going to be the truly impactful thing because pitchers need to be on a better... I think having pitchers on a more of a set routine would improve their pitching regardless. I think too many bullpen pitchers, especially the bullpen guys, the the starters were one thing. The bullpen guys were even worse with some of the stupid routines you get going uh, because I think they got in their own heads with why they were so erratic pitching-wise. But the truth of the matter is it's the base running that's going to be the telltale sign of if we get an improved baseball product over the last than what we've had the last 15 plus years. Because the truth of the matter is with uh, the base running changes, you've, you can only check the runner twice. Otherwise it's a bulk and the bases are bigger. So I know a lot of you don't pay attention that much to baseball, but I'm going to lay out exactly how much of a difference it is. The uh, old base uh, base paths were 15 by 15. Now, it's 18 by 18. You got a three-inch difference, and, and and I know some of you are already saying that's what she said jokes. I like Those jokes are played out. I'm sorry. We love The Office. The joke is played out at this point. You, can, like, you cannot overemphasize the amount the inches make. You cannot overemphasize that. The bang-bang plays that you were seeing, I mean, Ichiro is now technically considered the all-time base hits leader. If Ichiro was able to play with these base paths, Ichiro literally would have an additional 250 hits minimal because of how how many bang-bang plays he had. Because Ichiro, as fast as he was out of the box, if you gave... The, those extra couple of inches, because those bang-bang plays where you throw to the bag and the base runner, their foot may have hit the bag may, uh, or the ball might have just gotten into the glove beforehand, the runner is going to beat that throw like pretty much 10 out of 10. Like, I'd say 9.5 out of 10. The, it's pretty much 1,000%. Like I cannot stress this enough. The base path change because of... All those close plays of uh, first base where you, you have the umpire going out or sit, it, those are gone. Because of the size of the bag, it, as long as you can actually run with any sense of purpose and aren't a slug, you're going to beat out the throw. If it's, a, if it's a close infield grounder play, you're going to get more infield hits because of uh, the base path change. And again, I said this before. Because of the lack of ability to hold runners with the throws over the first, you're going to get more more advantages being played out to the teams that can actually run. Teams that are not like the Yankees. <laughs> I'm going to say this one. The, the, these rule changes that are being impacted, you know who's going to hurt? It's going to hurt the Yankees. I know people want to say that it's like, oh, well, without the shift, the Yankees are going to be a juggernaut. I got news for you. The fact that the base paths are bigger and you can actually use your team speed more and you can't hold runners and the and the, those teams that don't really have dominant catch, uh, like the Yankees were able to take advantage of being able to hold runners and uh, th- uh, throw down the first, like all that stuff gone. I'm telling you, it is going to be the dream of the Tampa Bay Rays. To just pick apart this rule 
and take full advantage of it. This is going to be a very unique season because the league-wide batting average was 243 last year. 243 was the league batting average. That's the lowest league batting average since 68 when they had to uh, raise the mound to make to give hitters a better chance of hitting the ball. They had to raise the fucking mound. <laughs> like, I, I can't be... That's that's why we had to put in a rule change because the game was getting so bad with teams not being able to get on base. The, the singles rate last year was less than 5% per, t- per team. It's the lowest rate of singles per game. Uh, like, uh, like five singles per, like that was the lowest in over 70 years. And the only two uh, years that were worse were 21 and 20 during the pandemic coming out of it. Like teams aren't hitting singles anymore. Everyone's trying to hit for power. There's no singles, and you're not getting any base runners. Like they're trying to actually fix the game. It, it, it's it's just saying. Uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know. It's uh, like all the left-handed hitters that are talking about how much they're going to hit better with the shift. I, I want to know exactly how many of them can actually run because if they can't run, it's still going to be an issue for them. On how uh, how quickly they can uh, they can actually take advantage of it because again you can get on base but if you can't run the base paths your value is going to drop moving forward in MLB I I I, I cannot be any clearer than that you, the base runners are gonna need to be more emphasized moving forward with teams like the way they were doing Moneyball where you didn't really care about running that model's changing. They are they are going to increase this significantly. Stolen when they implemented the base path changes in the minors, uh, the base attempts and steals went up significantly. And by significantly, I mean over forty five percent. So I'm just saying. They're still going to be, uh, they're still going to be, uh, there's still going to be an opportunity for guys to, uh, there's going to be certain, certain areas where the game's not going to change that much. And I, cause I know people don't like change, but if you've been following baseball closely enough, you've known the sport has been broken for quite some time. So I, for one, I'm excited to actually see some of these rule changes being implemented because we desperately needed to spice things up a bit from the tedium of some uh, some of the games. So, you know, we're going to go uh, go into uh, some of the divisional rounds and some of my favorite bets of uh, the baseball season uh, after the break. Uh, but, yeah, we needed to cover the rule changes because I don't think enough people are accentuating the fact that the speed, the teams with actual team speed are going to be at a significant advantage over everybody else in the field. It's going to be a big deal and it's going to play out uh, at real early in the season. And I don't think a lot of teams are ready for that just yet, but uh, more to come uh, after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. 
right, so we are back talking about the MLB season as a whole. Let's just talk about the futures for the World Series because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what everyone always cares about, who the favorites are. If you look at the live uh, odds, you've got the Astros as the top favorite at 6-1 to one odds. So, obviously, if you bet 100, you get 600. Uh, the Braves are 8-1. Eight, eight, Eight to one, Dodgers eight and a half, along with the Yankees. The Mets at nine and a half. The Padres and Blue Jays. Uh, actually, no, the Padres are ten to one. The Blue Jays. Uh, I I was mistaken. Uh, depending on certain markets, you see the Blue Jays at ten to one. Other markets, you see them at thirteen to one. Obviously, you shop you shop odds. So whether you're looking at DraftKings or FanDuel or BetMGM or PointsBet, BetRivers. You try to shop different uh, places to get the best odds uh, to maximize your uh, your dollar value when you're betting these futures. But if I'm being perfectly honest, the teams that I be looking at, I be looking at the Braves. Like to me, I I talked about this before the break. You want team speed and teams that can hit. The Braves do both. The question with the Braves last year was the fact that the Phillies just got incredibly hot with the bats at the right time. But honest to God, if you play that series 10 times, the Braves beat the Phillies 8 out of 10. And it's not to say that the Phillies were lucky to win that series. It's just that the the Phillies were on such a hitting streak in that playoff period that they were smashing the ball. And it took a lot of effort for the Astros to put them down. Like, the Phillies had to go cold uh, with the way they were slugging. Uh, you know, they were hitting good pitches. Like, that's the thing. The Braves lost, but it was not as though the Braves pitching staff uh, pitched poorly. The Phillies were just hitting good pitches, uh, in my opinion. So, you know, the Phillies were better than the Padres, and they got to the World Series. But... You know, the Phillies had 18-1. Obviously, the Reese Hoskins injury was huge because the Phillies, uh, before them, were 12-1. to uh, The Hoskins goes down with the blown ACL. Uh, doubtful he comes... I mean, is there a chance he could come back late in the year? Possible. Possible, but highly unlikely he makes it back this year. So, no Reese Hoskins for the Phillies. Huge deal for the for their hopes of making the playoffs because again they, the Phillies were a borderline playoff team. They had to make it in uh, make it in basically on the last week of the year. It's hard to actually say the Phillies are okay to make the playoffs again as long as the Padres take care of business uh, the way they're supposed to. And the NL Central isn't a complete dumpster fire. It's going to be tough for the Phillies. They should still make the playoffs. But it's still going to be tough. Uh, if the, if they don't have the same hitting uh, at the same clip that they've done in the past. But the Phillies are one of those teams where as long as they get into the show, with the lineup that they have, they're always dangerous. Because unlike... I would say the Yankees were, it's more formulaic in terms of how they're going to approach every at bat. The Phillies are more free swingers and with the free swingers, you get more volatility because of their talent. Their talent can actually overcome good pitching. That's, that's the dangerous part where you come up against the Phillies. It's just that the Padres got more of that, that, uh, that random type hitting. As long as Tatis is back to his form. If Tatis is not back to his form, I take the Phillies or the Padres um, in a playoff series. If you get Tatis back and he's actually back in form of where he is supposed to be, it's a different story. But if we're talking about the overall team that I would be betting from a future standpoint, it's the Braves. It's not close. I think the Braves odds and the Astros odds should be flipped. I think the Braves are the team that should be 6-1 to one and the Astros are the 8-1 to one team. But I get why it's like the Astros defending champs. You know, it. I get why the Astros are the pick. I'm just saying, if we're being honest with the rosters and the rule changes, it it, it balances. 
it balances out more. Uh, it, it balances out more in favor of the uh, the way the Braves uh, approach the game. That's the way I look at with the rule changes. Like if we were just basing off of the last year's rules, yeah, I, I would make the case for the Astros being the presumptive pick. Based off of the rule changes, I think the Braves far and away should be the presumptive pick. I, I, I think these rule changes favor the Braves more than any other team in baseball because of their combination of speed and power. Cunha is is going to be a monster in some of these matchups. Again, you can only throw over to first base twice. Like, you, not being able to check, like, the the Braves with Albies and Acuna, it's going to be, it's going to be a pain in the ass playing the Braves. Like, it, it's the reason why I don't like the Mets as much as I would have. With uh, with the old rules, I, I'd feel more comfortable with the Mets. With the new rules, it's going to be a, it's going to be a pain in the ass for the Mets to actually uh, beat the Braves. J- j- just being honest. And it's not that uh, it's hating on the Mets, because the Mets... And I, I gotta, I gotta say this uh, because I, I've heard from Mets fans that uh, I, I tend to be more negative with them as a Yankees fan, and I, I gotta be honest: the roles have flipped between the Yankees and the Mets. The Yankees are now the new Mets. The Mets are the Yankees in terms of willing to spend to try to get something done, because the Yankees spend money to have it look as though people can't criticize them. The Mets are spending money to win. Like the mentality of the organizations have flipped. So for all intents and purposes, the Mets fans can at least take solace in that is that at least they more embody what George Steinbrenner represented in New York than what the current Yankees regime does. That's what the Mets can take solace in. And as far as the on field product, the Mets still have it, even with Edwin Diaz, uh, his injury during the World Baseball Classic celebrating, it's a fluke injury. But, again, in terms of a needle mover, I don't think it's as big of a needle mover as other people are making it out to be. The problem I see for the Mets is their division. The Braves are... I honestly believe the Braves are the best team in baseball. With these rule changes, their speed and power, I don't think anyone really matches up well against the Braves. It's a very it's a very unique situation where outside of realistically the pot like the Padres could actually match up speed and power because the Padres have, can steal bases too if they choose to do so. It it's gonna be interesting with these rule changes how some of these teams take advantage of it. But I think the Braves are gonna be a problem. I think they're gonna be a problem for a while because these rule changes aren't going anywhere. So that's just initial thoughts from uh, the opening odds of who can win the World Series. If you want dark horse candidates, I would say the Mariners and the Rays are both at 20 to 1. And those are the two teams where, again, with the rule changes, you want to be able to use speed and have guys that are young and uh, that have a power upside but also speed. The Mariners and with well, J Rod and you got uh, Franco with the like they have combinations, so you get you get these unique teams where they have a little bit more balance than what you would see out of other squads. The, it's it's something that you have to at least uh, be willing to uh, take a take a better uh, inventory of uh, in in the future. So. Just bear that in mind. Now, as we go into the individual uh, divisions, you know, I'm going to just be honest with uh, some of the win totals. Uh, You know, we're not going to get all these correct, but some of these just look outright sus. I don't know how people are still banking on the Angels winning 80 plus games. I like I, I thought I thought people would have learned their lesson by now, but apparently not because on the over under for win totals, I see the Angels at eighty one and a half. 
And I keep shaking my head wondering, you know, at a certain point, I know what statistical models represent. I know how good Otani is. But I know the rest of the roster. You know, Mike Trout, again, is more interested in being a weatherman than he is being Mickey Mantle. If you start looking at the rest of the team, you know, they had they had to sign um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Brandon Jury because of how injury-prone pr- uh, Anthony Rendon is. Like, the Angels roster is not deep at all. It's, it's essentially a triple-A roster. And they had to bring in Gio Urshela to try to stabilize it. And I actually like Gio. Gio's going to help that team. The problem is, you start looking at the rest of that roster, you got Jake Lamb, you got Brett Phillips, you're essentially begging on Hunter Renfro being this, uh, being a more consistent hitter than he typically is. You look at the Angels roster, and I look at it and say, in a division where they got to play the Astros, the Mariners, and don't forget, the Rangers upgraded their pitching staff. So not only are the Rangers going to score, still score a bunch of runs, they, they, they're actually going to have better pitch. Like, the the fact that people are banking on the Rangers and the Angels to both be able to finish over 80, uh, 80 uh, wins is ludicrous. Either you bet one to finish over and you, or you bet one to finish under. They both cannot be finishing with over 80 wins. And you're expecting the Seattle to win 87 games and the Astros to win 96. It's not going to happen. Like, you're going to have to, like, start taking stance. So this is where I kind of look at over-unders. Because Astros should be there. The Mariners, realistically, because of... And you got to remember, the reason why... And we talked about this last year. The reason why the Mariners are good now... It's because the Cincinnati Reds gave up on playing baseball for the next five years. Straight up. The the Cincinnati Reds gave up on playing ba- professional baseball for five years. Because they traded all their all their good prospects. Inexplicably tra- traded all of them. Just to s- collect re- revenue share money and build rebuild their prospect pool. Instead of actually paying their prospects for the next couple of years. So all the good prospects the Reds had, they went to the Mariners. So that's why the Mariners are a problem, because the Mariners still have viable pieces. It's not a flash and pan season that they had. They they basically took the best players on a playoff team that just decided to give uh, give up after the lockout and moved them over to the AOS. So that's why the Mariners are a legitimate playoff team. So you have to bear that in mind. So you got two playoff teams already. And the Astros and the Mariners. What you have to determine is how much do you think Texas and L.A. can beat up on Oakland to get close to 80 wins? I think they both fail. Truth be told. I don't think the Rangers or the Angels get to 80 wins. I think they finish probably in the mid-70s. So I, I would take the under on both of those squads. Oakland's going to be an absolute train wreck. The A's have no interest in winning games. The Oakland A's are trying to get out of their stadium deal with the city of Oakland and move to Vegas. And they are going to, I mean, I mean, there were like crazy stories coming out of Oakland. Like you got rats, like in the stadiums, like you got like a infestation report. Like it's, it's kind of, it's it's wild. It's like a public service health announcement trying to go to Oakland A's games. And people wonder why people don't want to go to A's games. Like, why would you want to go to a place where the team is actively trying to get you not to go to games? Like, and it's a public health concern. Like, realistically, there, there's... there's <laughs> There are aspects that you should be concerned about uh, in the AOS. 
Golden Games in Oakland probably is like near the top. Just saying. Anywho, that was the AO West, but that's where you have the AO favorite, the Astros. It's like it's it's clear it's the Astros division. When you turn your attention over to the AO Central, it's a complete hodgepodge. And why is that? Because none of these teams actually care. Like, I'm I'm being honest here. They're they shuffle the deck on pieces, but realistically, the only team that tries to kind of compete is the Twins. The White Sox know they needed to add pieces. Added no one. They let Jose. <coughs> Uh, they let Jose Abreu walk to the Astros when Abreu was essentially their best hitter, a consistent hitter. Yes, Abreu is uh, 36. He was still consistently their best hitter, without question. That White Sox offense, I think, takes a step back. Tim Anderson Jr. is already taking pot shots at the organization saying it was great to play in the World Baseball Classic because it was it was finally time to uh, be in a spot where he actually played meaningful games. So, you know, he's already kind of... He, he, he already is, is kind of telling you he's checking out on the season before the season even starts. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you get a scenario where this White Sox team craters... And people are asking, what happened to the White Sox this year? I would not be shocked that the White Sox uh, came finished behind the Detroit Tigers. And the Tigers are projected for 68 wins this year. I think the Tigers could surprise and win 70 games. It would not shock me if the White Sox finished under 500 this year. In terms of the Indians... Oh, wait. Jeez. Caught myself. Said the Indians... Uh, I meant Guardians. I know it's 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 that name's still never going to stick with me. Uh, the Guardians and the Twins. You know, Guardians project for eighty six and a half wins. Um, in 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 terms of like the Vegas totals, eighty six and a half is the over under. Uh, uh, the Twins at eighty four and a half. Even if, when you look at the statistical models. They literally line up directly with the betting markets, and that's how the betting markets are kind of looking. They're like they everyone's using statistical models, so that, that's nothing new. But the way I look at both these squads is it kind of comes out to who can beat up on Kansas City and who can beat up on Detroit. The problem is I don't think Detroit's as bad as people think. Like people expected Detroit had the breakout year last year, and now this year they're down on them. I think it's just, it might be just a year too late, and the pieces kind of come together more for Detroit this year, where they finish in the 70s, and then all these other teams are low 80 totals. Now we get to the AL East and my Yankees, which I know many of you say I'm not a real Yankees fan, but being a real fan would be being honest with yourself and assessing the team where it is. Aaron Judge had a record-breaking year last year. Like, a career-defining year last year, uh, breaking the AL home run record. The Yankees themselves had a record-breaking year for the first six months of the season. Well, actually, I shouldn't say six months. I should say four months. Because everything after July was a complete and utter nightmare. Um, You know, the Yankees are projected for 94 wins. I think everyone's being way too optimistic with this Yankee squad. They're running it back with the same group that peaked in mid-July and never came back to anywhere close to that form. You had Anthony Rizzo with a slugging percentage that was well above his career average that he hadn't approached in uh, since his rookie year with the Cubs. He was slugging for a high average. The average was dipping. You had, I mean, whatever you want to call Josh Donaldson's year, dude was washed. You had Stanton putting up 
high slugging percentage numbers when he was healthy. That's a big if. He had numbers. You had Glaber still not where he needed uh, needed to be. But again, the first three months of the year with the Yankees, everyone was hitting, even Conor Kalefa. Then reality set in. And everyone's going with the rose-tinted glasses of Stanton's going to be close to what he was last year and that he's truly hitting his peak and not coming into the reality that the Yankees could easily regress and be closer to the team that we saw post-July than anything we saw uh, through April and May. Because in April and May, the Yankees came out like gangbusters and they were just stomping teams. There's a very real chance... Again, I'm going to say this again, because I said it last year, and everyone is like, oh, you, you, you see, you're going to walk back on what you said about the Yankees? No, I honestly believe this roster is poorly constructed, because, and it's even worse now with the new base running rules, because this team has no team speed. There's no speed on this roster. Look at this roster. Outside of what you might get out of Volpe. And again, that's not necessarily uh, considered his strongest attribute. Even when he does play, like it's it's not exactly it's it's not exactly his. Uh, you know, again, he might be able to steal twenty bases. That that might be that might be his uh, his uh, his uh, his peak. Like he's the only base stealer on his squad. Because he played, he played under those, he played under those minor league rules. He he could actually be the only guy who could steal bases on this squad. So again, the Yankees, they actually need Anthony Volpe to be good, and they need to be really good early. It's actually kind of scary because people are projecting the Yankees to be the third favorite to win the World Series. And I'm looking at the squad saying, man, I just hope we can actually get through the AL East. Because I look at Toronto, speed and power. I look at Tampa, smarter than we are, and they have actual uh, speed on the base pass and hitters that can actually hit uh, for better averages now that the shift's gone. I think the, the shift changes, yes. Will the Yankees still put up numbers? Yeah, but that's all they can do. They, 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 they can only slug. The getting rid of the shift benefits more teams that aren't true home run hitters like Tampa than it does the Yankees. I know there are going to be a couple extra base hits for the Yankees, but it's worse for when you got teams that aren't good hitters like Tampa getting on base when they're faster. They can get on the base pass and steal. Like, this is a problem for the Yankees. It's, a, it's actually a problem because Tampa and Boston are going to be able to... To nickel and dime the Yankees for runs. I'm, I'm telling you this now. The AL East is going to be a problem for the Yankees. And so I'm under on the win total for the Yankees. Don't be shocked that this team is winning less than 90 games this year. And, and is struggling to uh, make it into September. I don't want to hear the crying about why the Yankees are bad this year when, you know, it's a dogfight in the AL East. I'm just telling you guys this now. Judge had a transformative year. The Yankees paid through the nose to keep him and did nothing else, which is exactly what I told you that they would do. They were going to use Judge as their little marketing tool. They're going to put the blame on Judge's salary as to why they couldn't have the flexibility because they talked a big game about bringing in all these dudes. Like People were saying, oh, they're going to bring in Brian Reynolds and make a big trade, and they didn't do any of that. Just like I said they would. The Yankees have their marketing tool and judge. If you come to the stadium, buy the beer and all the condiments, you, 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 you got the LaBelle sandwich at the stadium. You, you, you're going to, you're going to, uh, like the, actually, do they, actually, I still think they did sell Pat LaFrida at the stadium. I got to double check that for the burger next time I'm there. Anyway, um, yeah, you're going to pay for the overpriced food. You're going to pay for the beer. And that's all I care about. Realistically, that's all how Steinbrenner cares about. 
and the Yankees fans are going to buy this hook, line, and sinker. I know a lot of you think you're smart baseball fans. And yes, I'm not saying that you're not. Some of you are very knowledgeable. But you let your emotions get the better of you because if you think that the Yankees are actually making significant moves this year to uh, upgrade the roster when Garrett Cole's in his walk year, because remember, he has the opt-out clause. He can opt out and get more money. And and he, and he last time I checked, Scott Boris is still his agent. Guess what? He's going to opt out and get more money and either the Yankees are going to pay him more or someone else is going to pay him. They are not upgrading this roster, and I don't want to hear about people talking about Carlos Rodon. I told you this. That was going to be a mistake from the get-go. This is going to be a real tricky year for the Yankees. I just hope people are ready to under- accept it, because Baltimore is going to be better than people think. Boston should be better uh, with another year. The AL East is going to have a bunch of teams in the... I, I would be surprised at the AL East if uh, there weren't at least four teams with at least 80-plus wins. I'd be shocked. The win total for Boston's at 78.5. Uh, Baltimore's at 76.5. It wouldn't shock me if both of those teams were over 80. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if the AL East had all five teams over 80 wins because I think the AL East squads are significantly better than... The AL Central in total. I think they're all better than all the AL Central teams. And then outside of Houston, Seattle, I think the AL East teams are better than the rest of the squads out West. I honestly think if everyone does their job the way I expect them to, the AL East is going to have five teams over 80 wins. And that's a problem for the Yankees. Because the Yankees need to beat up on teams in order to make the playoffs. Because you know Stan's going to get hurt. You know Judge is going to get banged up. It's it's a, it, it's almost like timing uh, for those guys to get nicked up. But the problem for the Yankees compared to other teams is, I look at the roster depth, I don't see team speed. And we just made significant rule changes that emphasize balanced rosters, team speed. That's not what the Yankees are built for. I think it's going to be a real interesting year. I think it's very interesting for the Yankees. Anywho, let, let's let's hammer out the NL, which I find significantly less interesting. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna breeze over the NL Central. Here's what it comes down to: the Cardinals are going to win the NL Central because everyone else basically doesn't give a damn. I, I know that the Brewers pretend like they care, but they really don't add anything and. You know, you know why I know they don't care because they try to nickel and dime Corbin Burnus, their best player by far, and a stud pitcher. Corbin Burnus got squeezed for literally instead of being paying him less, and the arbitration number was less than ten million. So it in, instead of just paying him just outright the eight and a half, like I think it was like eight point seven million. They tried to squeeze him for eight point one million, and and I, I could have the numbers wrong yet. I don't have it like directly on hand, but it was a savings of less than a million dollars. And instead of you know just eating the money in the arbitration hearings, they blamed Corbin Burtis. Mind you, their best player. They blamed him as the reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Other than. I don't know, maybe bring in another free agent or a midseason transaction to help improve the roster to make the playoffs? No, they blamed him because he struggled in the last uh, last month of the season because he was overworked by said club as the reason why they missed the playoffs. So basically, instead of like... <laughs> If this was like a typical job, you have... Because the overall numbers were great. You like... He was a runner-up for NL Cy Young. Like, typically this would be the exceeds expectations if you're doing a job evaluation. The way the Brewers put it, like, oh, no. We only have you meeting expectations. We didn't make the playoffs. We can't pay you this much money. We didn't make the playoffs. So we can't can't pay you that much. It's one of the most, uh, like, obnoxious things I've ever seen done. 
And so I get why Burnus is pissed. And believe me, he made it known he was pissed. I do not like the Brewers at nearly as much this year anyway. And you got a ticked off starting pitcher that doesn't want to be there anymore. He already has the numbers to get get himself a, a big free agency deal. He's just counting the days. So at this point, do I expect Burnus to put in the max effort that he had been? Hell no. Because you already know how your employer is going to treat you. So he's going to count the days, put up some stats, and it's just watching the clock tick on when he can actually hit true free agency, which is in another year. I cannot wait to see the Brewers on the under because they're at 86 and a half on uh, the win total. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that the Pirates and Reds are trying to be in a race of who can tank harder, I would I would be hammering this under even harder than I am. Like, I, I definitely expect the Brewers to be under 80, 87 wins. I do. It's just that I can't be more aggressive about it because I know with the Reds and the Pirates tanking as hard as they are and the Cubs just being inept, there's a chance that the, uh, the Brewers could back it, backdoor their way into being in around 85 wins and then I'm going to have to sweat it out. But realistically, this Brewers team, if this division wasn't so hot garbage, this would be an 80-win team. That's the truth of the matter. At best, they'd be 80 wins. I don't think the Brewers were any good. I think the Cardinals have free reign on this division because of how just functionally inept the rest of the division is. I hate the Cubs roster. I, I like it. They're trying to do a rebuild, and it's the guys that they paid, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't even know what... Like, I don't even have nice words to say about most of the uh, the NL Central. So, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's like, I I think there were a bunch of teams in the NL Central that would be dead last in most divisions in baseball. But yet, they've all congregated in the NL Central. Uh, and that's how they, they'll just steal wins off of each other. Because I, I just look at, I mean... Dansby Swanson supposed to, I mean, I'm supposed to take the Cubs seriously with Dansby Swanson and, uh, you know, Cody, Cody Bellinger's uh, jacked up shoulder. I'm supposed to be taking this seriously because the reason why Cody Bellinger's on the Dodgers is not on the Dodgers anymore is because the Dodgers know Bellinger's shoulder is shot for however Many reasons the Dodgers know Bellinger's shoulder is shot, and his swing has never been the same since. But the Cubs signed him to a deal, and they gave Swanson a, Swanson the bag. I, I hate this division. The only thing of note that I could say about the NL Central, because again, I, I don't, I don't even like the Cardinals. Like Arenado and Goldschmidt both look like they've plateaued in their careers. They're 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 not necessarily. Uh, excelling the way I thought. Maybe with the rule changes, you might get something out of Arenado still, but I'm not entirely sold on that front. I'm, I gotta be honest. It, it's hard. It's it's legitimately hard to take uh, the NL Central seriously. Alright. The NL West. Colorado. No thanks. Arizona, not even remotely interested. Like the the, the non stores, the the Giants are competing, and they'll play hard, but realistically, they are an eighty win team. This just comes down to the Padres and the Dodgers. The Padres finally got the Dodgers numbers in the playoff. We will see if they can actually do it in the regular season, because I I think both of these teams are over ninety wins. I think it's pretty clear they're over 90 wins and there's not much to it you know realistically where the final number lands uh you know it's not one i'd be willing to bet because they could easily win 100 games it wouldn't shock me if dodgers and uh padres both won 100 games wouldn't shock me because i think they're 
there is potential regression to be had in the NL East. So, you know, I think it's a two two horse race in the NL West. Um and the the Giants are just gonna be, you know, solid, but nothing nothing to write home about. In terms of the NL East, I said this before. I think the Braves are the best team in baseball. With these rule changes, I think the Braves, with their team speed and hitting, they're the best team. They're the team to beat. So, obviously, I have them as the favorite to win the division. The Mets loaded up with money up the gills. They, uh, Steve Cohen has brought the mentality of George Steinbrenner to the Mets. Mets fans should be excited. I still don't think you're good enough to beat the Braves. That, that's just the, the honest truth. I think the Mets are one of the five teams that uh, are dangerous enough to win the World Series, and I wouldn't bat an eyelash over it, but I think the Braves are better. And I told you what I felt about the Phillies. Phillies, dangerous bats. Wouldn't shock me if they made a run, but the regression is there without Hoskins. It's very real that the Phillies regress without Hoskins in that lineup because it's a big hole uh, in protection for uh, Bryce Harper in general. Harper's going to have to have a monster year with limited protection for the Phillies to be in the mix. That's the way I look at it because I think it's a two-team race with the Braves and the Mets. Miami, you know, they don't care about winning. That's why Jeter left. And the Nationals are trying to tank just as hard as the A's, Reds, and Pirates. So, again, makes for a boring breakdown of divisions, but you already have over 10 teams not even trying to win. So I'm, I'm just telling you guys outright, like this is part of a problem with baseball. The reason why they had to improve the product is because you got multiple owners are making so much money off of revenue sharing, they have no incentive to actually improve their teams. They, they got no incentive. That, that's just the truth of the matter. In terms of outright bets that I like to make, I still like Ronald Cunha Jr. for uh, uh, MVP awards. Uh, he's 10-1. to 1. I definitely think Acuna is in the mix. Mookie Betts, also right there. Nine and a half. Now, I know Judge is going to be the, the presumptive favorite. I'm just going to tell you guys now. And again, the Yankees fans are going to get mad. Because I'm not saying Judge is a good bet. But Judge is a horrible bet. <laughs> it's a horrible bet. I'm sorry. You cannot be betting... On Judge to win MVP. Not when Otani's there. Judge literally broke the home run record. And Otani was winning MVP because he can pitch and hit. Judge is a horrific MVP bet. It's a horrific MVP bet. As long as Otani is pitching and hitting, Judge will always be a horrific MVP bet. Because you've got one guy who can play two positions and a guy who can only play one. It's a it's an open and chuck case. Otani is going to be the MVP as long as he's healthy in the AL. That's just, that is reality. You got to accept it. Okay? Like, I, I think AL MVP voting and betting on that is one of the dumbest things you can do. If you're not betting on Otani, and even if you're betting on Otani, he's only uh, he's two to one, so it's not even as though you're getting true value at it. But it, like you have to, you have to give it to Otani. Like I, I don't even understand how this is an argument. He's pitching and hitting. As long as that attraction's there, he's gonna be the MVP. And again, could you quantify by saying? Well, Dwayne, you don't think the Angels are going to be a good team. It's not because of Otani. It's because of how incompetent the Angels are run by Artie Moreno. I can't hold that against Otani. He's the only reason why it makes, it makes the Angels remotely interesting to follow because, you know, his, his the, the next best player with him is the third favorite to win the MVP in Mike Trout at 8-1, to one, but 
Mike Trout would rather be a weatherman than actually play baseball. Like, you could question his heart. I question it every day. <laughs> it's like, I, I like, because the guy, the guy folds in, uh, phones in a 30-30 season. You get hit 30, all rather 30 steals, and Trout is still phoning it in. If Trout, if, if Trout took it seriously, and I mean, really seriously, we'd have a 50-50 season out of him. We're still waiting. Anyway. Other bets I'd be interested in taking a look at. Uh, Cy Young race. Again, Otani is 11-1. If Otani is even remotely close to some of the numbers that you could see out of Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole, Otani's going to win AL Cy Young. And he might win MVP because they want to get they they want to give him Cy Young and MVP. There there are people who are that much of a Otani fanboys. They will do it. So Dark Horse in the AL Cy Young race, I would look at Shane McClanahan at Tampa Bay. Uh sixteen to one. They know how to use them. They they uh perfect some of the matchups. That's a that's a legitimate guy to uh, keep an eye on. And El Cy Young, I would say Verlander. Look at Verlander, see how he's looking for the uh, for the Mets. If the Mets are playing well, Verlander should be doing well with the run support that he he'll be getting seven to one odds. Um, he should be fine. And then I'd be looking at Spencer Strider ten to one for the Braves. I think they they're all make sense. I know people want to say uh, why don't you bring up Cor- Corbin Burnus. But I, I already told you, like, Burnus is still pissed at the Brewers for dicking him over on the uh, on the arbitration numbers. He's he's filling out time, in my opinion, till he gets the free agency. Like, why why would you waste all your bullets having, you know, you had over 240 strikeouts with a sub-3 ERA, and your team still try to stiff you on uh, arbitration money? He, he could put up. Uh, like a 3.30 ERA and 200 strikeouts and still make the same money uh, in free agency regardless. He does not need to push himself as hard and risk injury. I, I think I think he dials it back a bit. That's just my personal opinion. So, again, to summarize, I think the Braves are the best team in baseball because of the rule changes. I will need to see a lot more uh, to say... Um, anything different otherwise when it comes to some of the teams. I, I just think it lines up perfectly for the Braves this year uh, with the rule changes and their combination of speed and power. Yes, the Dodgers could always be in the mix and knock, knock off teams. Not, not, like, nothing new there. But I'm just telling you guys, uh, it's uh, it's something to be acknowledging moving forward because more often than not, you're going to start seeing disparities in the base stealing numbers, and people are going to be like, oh, wow, base stealing's up. No, no, really. You, you didn't see that coming? Well, you, you were told about this in advance. So not for nothing, folks. Just be prepared when people are seeing the Yankees struggle because teams are running all over the base paths against them. You, you at least knew this, this, was, this day was coming. So that's all I got for now. Hopefully we have a lovely baseball season. I'm looking forward to it. You should be looking forward to it as well because it'll be different variety coming up that you won't see in other in spots. And as I said, you're going to have a bunch of teams tanking. One name to keep an eye out for is Hunter Green for the Reds. You're, I'm just saying like that's going to be one of the names to keep an eye out for from a pitching standpoint. Hunter Green's going to put up some numbers with the Reds this year, barring injury. He's going to put up some numbers. He's going to be the breakout guy. Uh, people are going to start talking about uh, this upcoming year for years to come because his team sucks, but they're going to showcase him because they're going to try to flip him for more prospects because they have no intention of winning. But Hunter Green, starting pitcher for the Reds, is uh, another guy to keep an eye out for. And we're going to see some more guys break out because of some of these rule changes. So... Uh, enjoy the baseball season. I'll be around for other stuff, but until next time, have a good one, folks.
play ball. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.